This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards, best known as the groundbreaking artist behind classics like Johnny B. Good, Maybelline, You Never Can Tell, and Roll Over Beethoven. Chuck Berry was a man of wild contradictions, whose motives and motivations were often shrouded in mystery. After all, how did a teenage delinquent come to write so many songs that transformed American culture? The book is Chuck Berry, An American Life. The author is R.J. Smith. He's been a senior editor at Los Angeles Magazine, a contributor to Details, a columnist for The Village Voice, a staff writer for Spin, and has written for GQ, New York Times Magazine, Elle, and Men's Vogue. His book, The One, The Life and Music of James Brown, was among the New York Times' 100 notable books of 2012. He makes his home in Los Angeles. Happy to have R.J. Smith joins me now here on Speaking of Writers. R.J., welcome to this program. Hey there, Steve. Great to be here. So you wrote a book about James Brown. So why Chuck Berry as a subject for you? Wow. Yeah. Why? Because uh, I asked myself that uh, a lot over the last few years because he was a difficult person to get to know. Uh, where James was so outgoing, and if you were in a um, elevator, stuck with him in an elevator for you know going from one floor to the next, you came out of that elevator with a story. But with Chuck. You know, you could be in his band and and not really know the man. So um, I think part of it was the challenge of wanting to understand how somebody who, as you really said well, you know, had so many uh, contradictions and evoked so much mystery. How could somebody like that, how did he create, you know, as much as anybody did, the sound we call rock and roll? And how do we put the person behind music and, and the music, how do we bring all that all together? That was my challenge. <laughs> How did he change the national music scene, RJ? Yeah. Well, he was the first mass guitar star. He, he turned the music away to some degree from the keyboard, from the saxophone, and made guitar, you know, the core sound of rock and roll. He was a songwriter when Elvis was singing other people's songs, and Elvis, you know, is Elvis, he's amazing, uh, but he didn't write his own material. Chuck Berry did, and he made that an important component of, of, the, of the whole package. You know, some people talk about him as being the first rock star playing that character. But he declined to call himself an artist. Yeah, he had, you know, I, I think he had that kind of, um, he had, well, humility is one way of putting it, and he just felt really uncomfortable with being looked at as an artist. He looked at, he looked at himself as somebody who built stuff, almost more of an inventor than an artist. And uh, that might have been his Missouri Midwestern upbringing, where uh, people who call themselves poets, well, they didn't live here. They lived somewhere else. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't like to be interviewed. He just liked to do stuff in private and then share it with the world. Chuck Berry, born in 1926 in St. Louis, Missouri. You mentioned Missouri. So what was the music scene like in St. Louis at that time? Yeah, well, it was definitely segregated informally uh, and in many ways formally. So there was uh, there were white audiences and there were black audiences. And Chuck was a pioneer in insisting and finding ways to connect with both audiences. For him, you know, the radio was, was his instrument in a way as much as the, the guitar was. He loved the sounds he heard all over the dial. He loved country music. He liked pop music. He loved crooners like Sinatra and big band jazz. 
and he found ways to put all of that in the music he wanted to make. So um, the scene he came out of was divided and broken down into different audiences. And he, he was always about the largest possible, most uh, connected audience. We're chatting with R.J. Smith. His new book is Chuck Berry and American Life, the book based on interviews, archival research, and legal documents. As you did these interviews, was there a common theme about this man? I think one common theme was how hard he was to know and how confusing he could be. You know, there's a story I I heard not long ago about... uh, Somebody um, backstage at a, at a Chuck Berry show, walking into the dressing room, a photographer, and in the middle of Chuck Berry, who was screaming at somebody uh, in, in the dressing room, just raging. And suddenly Chuck Berry turned around, saw the photographer and said, oh, excuse me, sir, I don't believe we've met before, have we? And he held out his hand. He could be the nicest guy in the world one minute and a really angry person the next. And you never knew who you were going to get. And that, that's one part of who he was. And um, that, that interested me as a writer. RJ, how did his achievements as an artist resonate socially and politically? Well, I think he... I think socially and politically by connecting with black and white audiences and speaking in ways in his lyrics that um, told the story about going to school, you know, whoever you were, wherever you were, that people connected with songs like School Days, I think songs about success like Johnny B. Good. Um, he had a way of connecting with people across all kinds of lines, cultural lines, economic lines, racial lines, geographic lines. Uh, I think rock and roll, we look at it as uh, across its history, as uh, music uh, with the power to change things, to have social messages and political messages. And Chuck Berry from the start was finding ways to put those kind of messages in a popular song format that connected with lots of people. When we look at the music, uh, his collaborative relationship with pianist Johnny Johnson, how important and what kind of impact did Johnny have on Chuck? Yeah, that's a great question. Johnny was a huge part of the songwriting process early on, and uh, his music, his piano playing, that boogie-woogie piano sound, uh, was an integral part of, of, of many of Chuck Berry's biggest hits. And so Johnny, Johnny was, a, was kind of a quiet uh, sideman, although it was his band when Chuck joined it, and then Chuck kind of took it over with Johnny's permission. Um, but but Johnny was a humble, keep your head down and play the gig kind of guy, and Chuck saw bigger possibilities. So he moved into Johnny's band, he was invited in, of course, uh, kind of took it over and and turned it into, you know, a foundation of rock and roll. But Johnny definitely had uh, his fingerprints all over a lot of those hit records. RJ, his live shows have long been judged to be an afterthought. Why? Well, he, on any given night that he cared to, in any point in his career, Chuck Berry could give you a performance that you would never forget. And I've talked to so many fans over the years who saw him on nights like that. But at the same time, other nights... Well, the, the core of the problem was he had a great band that he could record with, but it cost money, his money, to take them on the road. 
So he would uh, instead do what lots of other artists have done over the years. Lots of country stars did this. When you travel a lot, you you have a contract that says the local promoter puts a band together for you, and and then you you stand in front of them and play on a given. And then the next night you're in Peoria, and the night after that you're in Cleveland, and you know different band each night. And the problem was Chuck didn't like to rehearse with those bands. He didn't like to pay money that would you know, that would take his own, to take somebody like Johnny on the road all the time with him. Uh, and so the quality really lagged. And even when Chuck was playing with young artists who loved his music, uh, but didn't know how he wanted to play it that night, uh, there could be a lot of disagreement, even in front of an audience, about uh, how Chuck saw things and how the band thought things should go. Uh, so it could be an uncomfortable experience on any given night as well. So why did he put his career in danger with a lifetime's worth of reckless personal behavior? Well, I mean, that's, that's a question for lots of artists, lots of performers, actors, painters, writers. Uh, you know, yeah, why did he do? You know, he, as a teenager, he went to prison or reform school uh, for armed robbery. He went to prison for several years for violating the Mann Act, basically driving across the country with a, with a young girl in the car, um, tax evasion. Chuck Berry, um, well, I mean, Chuck Berry was somebody who did things that he wanted to do, and you, <laughs> people didn't say no to Chuck Berry very easily, or they didn't last around him very long, but they did say no. So, um, I don't know, that's one answer. It, but on a greater plane, you know, all of us in, our, in this time that we live in, more than ever before, are dealing with the question of how did that person that lived this one kind of life that wasn't always exemplary, how could they create this music, this painting, this poem, this, uh, you know, this radio program, whatever, that really I love to hear? Um, and it, and one thing that it does is it shows us that, that as we know how complicated we are as fans and listeners, uh, and, and we're not always aware of it, uh, how complicated the artists behind those experiences we love, uh, how complicated they are. But uh, we're wrestling with those issues now, on, on, as you know, in the Me Too era on, on so many levels. Have you gotten much feedback from the Berry family on the book? You know, I've I've had a I've had a nice relationship with the son, and I met his widow, uh, and they've always been friendly and and nice to me. Um, but I don't know if they've read the book. They weren't helpful in interviews. They they chose not to be, and I totally respect that. And um, you know, there's not a lot of reason for them to have given me a lot of time. But they but they, you know, we, we've had pleasant conversations and um i haven't heard anything more than that mm. and what would you like readers to take away from chuck berry in american life rj what a groundbreaking artist he was as 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 someone who as much as anybody uh deserves to be considered a primary author inventor of rock and roll as somebody who led the way in integrating audiences and helping integrate america and as somebody who often let us down in his in his private life and in his uh, 
in his courtroom and 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 extracurricular uh, activities, and yet uh, and it's left us wrestling with with the music and how much we care about it and and how we square the person and and the artist. Uh, that's uh, that's a big theme in my life <laughs> and uh, in American life today. I think and and something worth wrestling with. The book is Chuck Berry, in American Life. The author is R.J. Smith. R.J., thank you so much for joining me. Steve, thank you for having me. And this is Speaking of Writers.